Well, good morning, church family. And I, I really hope that uh, the lyrics of that last song connect with your soul. Oh, how he loves us. And uh, we, I don't want you walking out of this, uh, this room without you knowing that. It's important for you to know that. Wherever, wherever you've come from, we've come from I don't know how many different places today, but this much is true for all of us. He loves us. Amen? We're going to... Uh, we're going to learn a little bit about that this morning in our scripture reading. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to the New Testament book of Luke. Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to 36. Verses 27 to 36. And you'll find that on page 862 of your church Bibles. And if you don't have a copy of God's Word to call your own, just take that copy there. It's in the pouch in front of you and receive it as a gift from uh, the Windsor Road family. Jesus spoke these words, Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. This is God's Word. Aaron Cerrone is a counselor in Billings, Montana, and he tells about a time when he was meeting with a couple. They were separated in their marriage. They were trying to reconcile. And at one point in one of the counseling sessions, the husband said something absolutely stunning. This is what he said. He said, if I were able to forgive her for what she's done, why, that would, that would almost completely heal our marriage. And Aaron sat there and he was shocked. He was stunned because of the clarity and the ownership of the remedy of this man's marital problems. If I were able to forgive her what she's done, well, that would, that would heal our marriage. Aaron thought, there's hope. So he then asked, so are you saying you want to forgive her? To which the husband said, 
in front of her there in the office? Absolutely not. He says, well, why not? And the husband says, well, what's going to change if I do? I mean, what do I get out of this? And if I forgive her, won't that be just be endorsing all that she did? Aaron Cerrone thought, wow, this, this guy, he thought to himself, this guy was not about to forgive her until there was an absolute ironclad guarantee that she was forever going to be trustworthy from here on out with consistent evidence to back it up. Period. And and this is what Aaron observed. He said, to that guy, self-protection was more important than forgiveness, and he had absolutely no qualms about stating it in those terms. That little counseling session raises a very important um, objection to the idea of giving up our grudges. Here in this series during Lent, give it up. This morning, giving up your grudges. And yet that session raises some objections uh, to that and to these verses here in Luke chapter 6. I mean, so if I give up my grudge... What's going to change? What's going to change? If I give up my grudge, what am I going to get out of it? If I give up my grudge, what's in it for me? If I give up my grudge, won't, you know, won't that other person just, won't that be just like letting them off easy? Why, and why would I want that? Why would I want that? See? And those are objections that really, that we need to just probe here for a little bit because you know, on the one hand, it would be very, very easy. I mean, look, we, we listen to these verses here in Luke chapter 6, and in a place like this, spoken by someone like me, and we just, we're happy, pleasant, you know, Midwesterners, and we expect this kind of thing. And so, you know, we just say, well, yeah, of course. And so, you know, it would just it'd be very simple for someone like me to say, you know, having read these verses, now church... Some of us are holding grudges. And Jesus says, stop that. Okay? Stop holding a grudge. All right? Okay? Okay, let's watch the game. That's it. I mean, it was just, right? Maybe we should probe a little deeper than that. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's think about those objections. Let's think about, I think it's important to think about some of the benefits to grudge bearing. There are benefits, you know. Benefits that you don't take advantage of if you give up. All right? And I can think of five benefits to grudge bearing. And they're delicious and they're tasty. They're succulent. I love them. Maybe you want to consider them. 
Five benefits. The benefit, well, grudge bearing is about first power. Power. There, there's power that I have in holding something over someone else's head. There's power that I have in using someone else's failure and, and weakness against him or her. And it's powerful because it works. It's effective. When I want my own way, when I want to get what I want, I just simply rehearse the past, bring it up, and trot it out, put it in front of that person's face, and it's power. I get what I want. It's like the trump card. I throw it down, and I win everything that's in the middle. Power. Grudge-bearing is about power. Grudge-bearing is also about identity. Identity. Uh, That is, holding on to someone else's sin in a way that makes me feel superior in a way that makes me feel, you know, more, more morally high than they are. It's a way to make me feel more righteous to the one who hurt us. And, and, and it, it's a way to make me feel and convey to them that they will never, ever be able to attain the height of my holiness. Grudge bearing. It's about power. It's about identity. And it's about entitlement. Oh, yeah. The kind of entitlement that says, you wronged me, therefore you owe me. You wronged me, therefore, you know, you, I deserve the feelings that I'm feeling. I mean, after all that you've done to cause this havoc in our relationship, don't you think I deserve this? Entitlement. Power. Identity. Entitlement, and then weaponry. Weaponry. Gun bearing is about, uh, uh, well, grudge bearing is about gun bearing. Oh, yeah. Someone wrongs you, and those wrongs become bullets in your revolver. You stick them in that clip, and you conceal it. See, it's a concealed weapon. See, Until that person does something or you want something and you bring that weapon out and you fire off every round and you get what you want and then you put that gun back and the and the and the and the perverted way it works is this in your gun after you've emptied the clip you put it back and bullets magically reappear power Identity, entitlement, weaponry, and then finally, grudge-bearing. The benefit of grudge-bearing is you get to play God. You get to play God. Grudge-bearing allows you to ascend the throne of Almighty God and act like God and be a judge over that person who hurt you. Oh, those are juicy benefits. I'd think twice about getting rid of them. Reminds me of an old country music song by Lyle Lovett. Remember Lyle Lovett? There he is. How much, how much moose did that take? He wrote a song about these benefits called God Will. God Will. Who, who keeps on trusting you when you've been cheating and spending your nights on the town? And who keeps on saying that he still wants you 
when you're through running around? And who keeps on loving you when you've been lying, saying things ain't what they seem? God does, but I don't. God will, but I won't. And that's the difference. That's the difference between God and me. So who says he'll forgive you and says that he'll miss you and dream of your sweet memory? God does, but I don't. God will, but I won't. And that's the difference between God and me. And these are lyrics only a legalist could love. Right? But before you download that song, <laughs> I'd just like you to consider this. Right? It's something that happened in uh, July, July 17, 1966. Uh, Reuben Carter. Reuben the Hurricane Carter. Reuben the Hurricane Carter. There at the Lafayette Grill in Patterson, New Jersey, two men walked into that grill and shot three people to death. And Reuben the Hurricane Carter, who was a celebrated uh, boxer, he and an acquaintance were falsely accused and uh, wrongly convicted in a um, highly publicized and racially charged trial. And uh, Reuben Carter, fiercely outspoken boxer, he maintained his claims of innocence uh, even after he was imprisoned. He became his own jailhouse lawyer. And 19 years later, he was finally released. And people, of course, always asked him, you know, Reuben, are you bitter? Reuben, are you bitter? I want you to listen to what he has to say here before you download that song. After all that's been said and done, the fact that the most productive years of my life between the ages of 29 and 50 have been stolen, the fact that I was deprived of seeing my children grow up, wouldn't you think I would have the right to bear a grudge? Wouldn't anyone under those circumstances have a right to bear a grudge? In fact... Grudge-bearing would be very, very easy. But that's never been my nature, to do things the easy way. Then he says this, listen. If I've learned nothing else in my life, I've learned that a grudge only consumes the vessel that contains it. Bingo. The grudge only consumes the vessel that contains it. And, and for me to permit bitterness to control or infect my life in any way whatsoever would be to allow those who imprison me to take even more than the 19 years they've already taken. And that would make me an accomplice to their crime. That's why Jesus says what he says here in Luke chapter 6, church. That's why he says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. That's why. And, and again, we listen to these verses as 
you know, fine American Midwesterners. We, we listen to these verses, so these make sense to us. But what you need to understand is that when people, when there, there were some people in the audience who heard these words that Jesus spoke, and they just thought, what? Pray, pray for those who curse. That's bizarre. Who does that? What, is, what planet is this guy from? Really? Really, in the Roman Empire, in the first century, it would be very natural for a Roman citizen to go to the temple of worship, the temple of the whatever god they worship, say the god Mercury, and as a part of their temple worship, uh, they, would, they would offer a prayer of cursing. It was a cursing prayer. And in fact, you know, uh, we've got these little pieces of paper to, to jot down. Listen, what would happen in the first century is, is these worshipers would go to the temple and they would actually pay a scribe to inscribe what archaeologists called a cursing tablet. A little tablet, a little piece of metal in which the scribe would inscribe a prayer that was actually a curse. Oh God, Mercury, I loaned my beast of burden to so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so, and they harmed it. May they suffer the vilest death until they realize the, 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 the wrong that they committed to me. Put it down. It was posted there in the temple. Sometimes it was put at a cemetery for effect. And they walked out of that temple just as satisfied with themselves as, you know, maybe some of us walk out after an inspirational service. They just, ah, like that. Why, what are you high for? Because I cursed the person who harmed my beast of burden. That's just, that truly was the world in which Jesus spoke these words. When he said, love your, why would you, why would you want to love your enemies? What is that about? You don't, you don't bless those who curse you. You curse those who curse you. And the strongest wins. And that's the way it's supposed to be. And that's why Rome ruled. Jesus says, that's not, that's not, my, that's not my world. I am from another planet. I'm from another world. And he, he talks about the releasing of grudges and the giving of grace in practical, down-to-earth ways, very, very tangible, concrete ways. He talks about a slap. He talks about a shirt. And he just talks about cold cash. You see that there. That's what's behind verse 29. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. Now, you know Luke chapter 6 is really a condensation of Matthew's Sermon on the Mount. This is called the Sermon on the Plain because of Luke 6, 17. He taught them on a level place. It's a shortened version of Matthew's Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew's version, when it comes to this striking you, Matthew says, if he strikes you on the right cheek, why does he say the right cheek? Let's think about that for a minute. Let's... Let's, let's try this verse out. Tom, come on up here for a minute. Let's practice this verse. Okay? Yeah. Come on, Tom. I'm not going to hurt you. Trust me. We've done this before. I so to, I get to hit you first. Right? No, no. I'm, I'm sorry. 
So the one who strikes you, Matthew says, who strikes you on the right cheek. But, you know, in the first century, as in now, most people were right-handed, okay? So you were in the military, weren't you? Now that I mention here, I better be careful. So, uh, so if I hit you like this, what's, what side of your face is that going to hit? It's going to be on the left side, right? Well, Jesus says the if he strikes on the right cheek, so so this on the left, that's going to hurt. Going to hurt my hand. Going to hurt your hand. All right, yeah. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I hurt. hit her first. That didn't hurt. I? Yeah, he did. <laughs> Work with me, Tom. Oh, I'm here. <laughs> but what about on the? What kind of a blow hits the right cheek? It's a backhanded. It's a backhanded slap, and that won't physically harm him. But what is that? That's a. That's an insult. That's a public insult, a backhanded slap. That's a public insult. And do you see what Jesus is saying here? He's saying that when you are publicly insulted, when you're publicly reviled, when you're publicly ridiculed, you don't pay back. Let that go. Let, why? Because you have a heavenly, because you are son of the most high, because you are blessed. You give up that grudge. You give, up that, you give up that grudge, and instead you give grace. That's, that's what that particular part of the passage means. All right. Good job. Thanks. <laughs> I watch Rocky movies. That's, that's right. But then Jesus continues, and he says, From the one who takes your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. So this picture is someone who's being robbed. Here, you want my coat? Here, I take my shirt too. All right. All right. And then in verse 30, it's just as if Jesus is asking to be misinterpreted. It's almost like he's just asking to be misunderstood. He says, just just give everybody who begs from you. Just, you know, oh, what's the point? The point is Jesus lived in a quid pro quo. You scratch my back, I scratch your back. Uh, a world where reciprocity just was the name of the game. And I'm going to give you a favor, but we both understand that you're going to give me a favor one of these days. I'm going to have to ask for that. He lived in a world where all gifts had strings attached. And Jesus says, that's not, how, that's not my world. Uh, that, that's not my world. And he summarizes with verse 31, we recognize as the golden rule, give As you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. As you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. And why? Why? Jesus says so. In the following, if you you love those who love you, or if you do good to only those who do good to you, or if you lend only to those who lend to you, how are you different? How are you? You know, pagans do that. The mafia does that. Terrorists do that. How are you going to be different? You know, stop trying, stop scheming your way. Okay, if I love them, then I know that there's going to come a day, then they're going to, I'm going to need to cash in that favor. Stop, stop. No, stop, stop scheming that way. Because you know different when you do. But then Jesus even gives a, a, a better, higher reason. And the reason is this. You will be the sons of the Most High. You're like your Heavenly Father. Be merciful, 
even as your father is merciful. You be like your father. Because your father is, you know what? You know, I've noticed God sends both rain and sunshine on Christian farmers and Muslim farmers and Buddhist farmers and Hindu farmers and atheist farmers. Why does he do that? Well, does he do that because all of those faiths are true? No, he does that because he's true. And he's good. And he's kind. And he's merciful. He is kind to the ungrateful. And he's kind to the evil. And that's how I want you to be. I want you to give up your grudge. Give up what you think you deserve And instead, I want you to give what none of us deserves. God's grace, God's mercy, God's kindness. So then when you forgive, forgive, forgiving isn't forgetting. you, You can only forgive because you in fact did remember. It was real. It hurt. It was painful. Forgetting is passive. Forgetting is what happens when my mind's tired or overwhelmed or getting old. It gets that, but forgiving is active. It's intentional. It's, it means I'm not going to dwell. I choose not to dwell on this. I'm not going to let this rent space in my mind. And the moment I say that, someone might think, yeah, but Randy, what does Jeremiah 31, 34 mean when God himself says, For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Here's what it does. It doesn't mean that God forgets like I forgot to go to the grocery store on my way home from work. That's not how it is. It means this. When God forgives and forgets my sin, it means this. God puts my sin in the rearview mirror, and then he steps on the gas. And his car's lightning fast. And he leaves it as far as the east is from the west. He chooses not to dwell on it. And God says, that's how I want my people to be. That's how I want my people to be. Forgiveness says this. I see what you did, and I still love you. I still love you. And, you know, that may mean you get your marriage back, or it may not mean. It may mean that you get that working relationship back. Or it may not mean that. I don't know. Here's what I do know. When we forgive, there are three deaths. Three deaths always take place in forgiveness. There's the death of the forgiver. There's the death of the forgiven. And then there's the death of the relationship between the two. And when we give those deaths up, we put them at the foot of the cross on Good Friday. And guess what happens on Easter Sunday? I'm telling you, there is a resurrection. There's a resurrection. There's there's risen life. There's new life and new possibilities and new hope. New hope. All because we gave up what we felt like we deserved to keep the grudge. And instead... We gave what no one deserves, the very grace of God. The very grace of God. 
I mentioned Aaron Cerrone a little while ago and about the couple that he counseled with. He tells about another couple, a couple that he did not counsel with, but a couple that met with a divorce mediator. Their marriage was over. They wanted to end it as inexpensively as they could. So they met with a mediator to hash out the details so that they could get the paperwork to the judge, sign the decree, and they're done. So they met with this mediator. And in the middle of the conversation between the three, the mediator asked one question that detonated the divorce. It was this question. Is there anything your spouse has done that's unforgivable? And when that meteor asked that question, why, it's like you could just see the bitterness drain. And for the first time, there was, in fact, hope. And I submit that question to you in your situation. And, and for some of you, it might be your spouse. Is there anything your spouse has done? <laughs> and you may not even have any plans for divorce or separation. But it's still a good question, right? Is there anything your spouse has done that's unforgivable? Some of us need to ask that of our former spouses. So, so the marriage was not able to be saved. And, and I am not here to pile on anybody. I don't have a judgmental bone in my body about those of you who have, have suffered through divorce. I'm just saying, well, that's a good question to ask, isn't it? Is there anything your former spouse has done that's just unforgivable? Is there anything your father has done that's unforgivable? Is there anything that your mother has done? Is there anything your employer or your colleague has done? And then here's another question, and this is so important. Here it is. Can you make peace with the fact that you will never recover all that their sin cost you? Can you make peace with that? Can you make peace with the reality that you're never going to be able to recover all that their sin cost you? See, that's why, that's why we need to forgive. That's why we need to give up what we feel we deserve, the grudge, so that we can give what none of us deserves, the very grace of God. And Jesus himself did that. He who said, bless those who curse you, did he not? Bless those at the cross who cursed him and mocked him and spit on him. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Did he not do that? The one who said, give me your tunic too. Did, was his tunic not taken away and gambled at his very feet when he was hanging there at the cross? See, this world is never going to get fixed. This world is never going to get fixed by, by God does, but I don't. It's not going to get fixed that way. It's only going to get fixed when we give what we feel like we deserve to keep the grudge so that we can receive and give what none of us deserve, the very grace of God. That's why we need to give it up. And you know what? We're going to get an opportunity to do that. I mean, we're going to get an opportunity to do that when we walk out of these doors here. And so, I have... A phrase for us to remember this morning. Just a small little phrase I want you to remember. This is just real, real simple phrase. Here it is. It's the phrase, here's my chance. 
Here's my chance. I want us all to say that on three. One, two, three. Here's my chance. One more time. Here's my chance. All right. You're going to walk out of here, and you're going to get snarled in traffic. And you're just going to start losing it. And you're just going to want to just start saying things and, 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 just, and, and waving signals and honking horns, but you're not going to do that. Instead, what are we going to say? Here's my chance. Right. Here's my chance. Why? Because I'm a son of the Most High. Because I'm going to be merciful because my Heavenly Father is merciful. Tomorrow morning in a staff meeting, in front of all your colleagues, Cranky is going to give you a zinger in front of everybody. And oh, you're going to be so tempted to just sting back, bite back. But you're not going to do that. Why? Because you're a son and a daughter of the king. And you're going to say to yourself instead, what? Here's my chance. Yeah, listen, you're going to open up social media tomorrow night. and You're going to read someone saying something untrue, exaggerated about you. And you're going to be so tempted to just, you know, post this in every group that you can possibly think of. But you're not going to do that because God is your king and your heavenly father. And instead, you're going to say, what? Here's my chance. Here's my chance. Here's my chance. Over and over and over. Here's my chance to show the world who my Heavenly Father is. Here's my chance. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Amen.